There are lots of reasons that I believe backyard gardeners should save room for fruit, one of which is the dirty dozen list. And if you're not familiar with that, I want you to understand that not all fruit that you are buying at the grocery store is going to be good for you. That shocked me when I learned that. Now, I know what fruit is best for me to grow and what fruit I can safely buy and not have to worry about. Welcome back to the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Johnson, and this is episode number 43. Today, we are talking about creating space for fruit in your backyard garden. Now, if you are anything like me, fruit might intimidate you a little bit. You may be a little nervous to invest in fruit growing in your garden when you can literally get it around the calendar at any grocery store anytime. I want to talk to you about why that's not always the best way to enjoy fruit. And I also want to kind of debunk some myths for you today. I started gardening many, many, many years ago and was always afraid of incorporating fruit. Now, as soon as the Thanksgiving holidays approach, I am on the hunt for fruit trees that I can add to my backyard garden space. And the reason is because they're not actually that scary at all. I hope to debunk some of that for you today so that you can really get excited about growing fruit and understand why I think you should. So as we're creating space in our backyard gardens, I want you to get excited for incorporating fruit. I want you to think about all that you can have at the ready in its proper season and the taste, oh my word, even if you have been purchasing your strawberries from a roadside farm stand, or you get your watermelons off the side of the road. Listen, no shame in that at all. That is an awesome way to support local farmers, and it's also a great way to purchase fruit. I love that. I still do that because guess what? No matter how much fruit space you're dedicating in your backyard garden, you're not going to have enough to literally keep you satisfied all season long. So there's still a place for those roadside farm stands, and I love them. I actually just went to Napoleonville um, a few weeks ago to pick up the Wild Child Garden Club vegetable that scares us. So every season, we have a vegetable that scares us, that we all grow together, that we don't really know how to grow. And and one year it was fruit. It was a strawberry because we were all nervous to add strawberries to our garden space. And this year it's Melitone. And I'm so excited to grow this with the Garden Club plant ladies. And I'm excited because it's just like everything else. It's only scary until you try it, right? And then once you do, you're just like, I cannot believe I didn't do that for all these years. At least that's how I hope we feel. We felt that way pretty much with every single scary vegetable we have tried. But while I was on my way to Napoleonville, I passed lots of farm trucks, lots of roadside produce, and that is a fantastic way to purchase your fruit and vegetables. The only thing is you don't really know what you're getting. So you still have to be mindful of buying produce, whether it's on side of the road, at a farm stand, or in the grocery store, that's organic. 
you still want to be mindful of that dirty dozen list. And that's a list that is mystical in its own right. I mean, I lived for so long not understanding that dirty dozen list and not understanding why things make it on the dirty dozen list and why things don't. Let me break it down for you real quick. One of the biggest reasons that I recommend growing fruit in your backyard garden is this list. So what this list is, is it's the top 12 fruits and vegetables that are most likely to have excessive pesticides on them. So they test all of these fruits and vegetables. And if they're not labeled as organic, these 12 are going to have the most of any fruit and vegetable. So do you want to know the Dirty Dozen of 2023? The Dirty Dozen list includes strawberries, spinach, kale, collard, and mustard greens, peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell peppers, cherries, blueberries, and green beans. What this report states is that more than 90% of samples of these fruits tested positive for residue of two or more pesticides. That means of all the fresh produce you can buy, these are the ones that you really want to pay attention to. I would like to add if it was a dirty baker's dozen, potatoes would be on that list because potatoes are on the list pretty much every year. They're not on it this year, but potatoes are one of those vegetables that are heavily, heavily sprayed. And they're sprayed so much, guys, that the farmers cannot tend to them for three days after they are ready to be harvested, after they're sprayed. They're sprayed to not sprout. That's the whole thing. So they don't want these potatoes coming home to you and sprouting in your pantry. So they spray them and they spray them heavily. And the farmers have to wait three days to harvest them. Like that's terrifying. And they didn't make the list. (laughs) So you can tell that this is a list that is So you can tell this is a pretty relevant list. This is a list that you want to be paying attention to. So let's break down this list, okay? Strawberries, you can 100% grow in your backyard garden. Spinach, you can 100% grow. Kale, collard, and mustard greens, there's nothing easier to grow than those. Peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, all can be grown in your backyard garden. Bell peppers, so easy. Blueberries, totally doable. Green beans, so easy. The two fruits on here that you probably will not be able to grow in your backyard garden are cherries and grapes. So you just need to remember that when you're buying cherries or you're buying grapes, you want to really focus and make sure you're purchasing organic. That eliminates the use of pesticides. So you don't have to worry about eating food that has been oversprayed or that is toxic because it is labeled organic. Also, you wouldn't really want to buy cherries or grapes from a source that does not disclose how they were grown. So those are two of the 12 vegetables on the Dirty Dozen list that you really probably can't grow in your backyard garden. 
in South Louisiana. Now, I would say you can certainly grow muscadines, and they are at the top of my list for fruit to grow in your backyard garden, but they're not a grape officially, so we won't label them that way. But I will tell you, that's a lot that you can grow. And dare I say that you should. These vegetables and fruits on this list are some of the easiest to grow organically, which is what makes it so crazy that farmers spend so much money, time, and energy and risk their own health to spray pesticides. It's absolutely insane to me. But nonetheless, here we are in 2023 with a Dirty Dozen list that is compiled mostly of things we can grow. And then if you take that list and break it down even further, what you're going to see is that also on the list are lots and lots of fruits, strawberries, peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, cherries, and blueberries, lots and lots of fruit on this list. If you're anything like me, you have a family that appreciates and loves fruit. Well, let me tell you, there's nothing better than growing your own. And you can grow almost all of these. So designate a little bit of space in your backyard garden for them. And you are going to be so, so happy that you did. Do you know the biggest pest to a backyard garden in the winter season? It's a freeze. A freeze can decimate your entire garden overnight. Be prepared this season for the first frost and all of those hard freezes with my brand new mini course, Understanding Frost and Freezes. It's free and completely available to you right now. I'm going to share with you how I prepare for frost and freezes and how I think you should too. Get all of the details at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash frost and freezes. Here are some benefits for growing fruit in your backyard. We've already talked about the benefit of just knowing where this fruit is coming from. Listen, I can tell you, picking pears off of your own tree, picking peaches off of your own tree, picking apples, muscadines. We can't really do nectarines, but that's the same as a peach, right? And we can grow peaches. We can grow all the citrus. And having all of those at the ready at different times of year is so much fun. And your kids will love it. So that is a huge benefit. But also, y'all, the cost. Fruit is just getting so ridiculously expensive. Again, when you want to live a life in season, when you want to have your menu, your snack options, your treats revolve around the calendar and the actual seasons we live in, things get a whole lot cheaper. Right now, as we're recording this episode, it's a week after Thanksgiving, and I just picked up my box of sweet potatoes. Now, I get this every single year from some friends of ours whose son is in 4-H and he participates in the sweet potato fundraiser. So every year, we order 40 pounds of sweet potatoes for $30. 
That's 75 cents a pound. Now you can go to any grocery store and you can find sweet potatoes right now for roughly about that same cost. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less if you can catch them on sale. But why are they on sale? They're on sale because this is the time of year that they are being picked. And fruit is time sensitive. It cannot just sit on a shelf for years and years. That's what makes it so amazing. So fresh produce is going to go on sale when it needs to be moved, when there's a lot of it. So we got our sweet potatoes, 40 pounds for $30, 75 cents a pound. We will cook those all the way through the winter and literally feel like if we see another sweet potato, we are going to scream. By the time spring comes around, We are so over sweet potatoes, and it's a good thing because we're out of them. That makes us wait and want sweet potatoes all year long. And then when Thanksgiving rolls around again, here are our sweet potatoes. We get the reward of the patience and the waiting. We get to taste the amazing freshness and absolute peak ripeness of these sweet potatoes. And then we get to eat them till we're blue in the face. And then we get to wait for them again. It is an absolutely beautiful way to live. And that is the exact same way you will live with the fruit in your backyard garden. So right now you're probably seeing satsumas. Everybody you know is asking if you want satsumas. Why is that? Because satsumas are coming in, and if you don't pick them, they rot on the tree, or the bugs get them. In the Wild Child Garden Club, we say, go pick. Instead of spraying down the tree, just go pick your satsumas. Love enjoying those satsumas. Make all the good things, the satsuma pie, the satsuma pepper jelly, all the great satsuma recipes, which by the way, If you're looking for something to do with all of your satsumas, I have an amazing freebie for you today. You can download my five favorite ways to use satsumas for free at www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash satsumas. I've got five of my favorite ways to use them. It's exactly what I'm going to be doing with mine this year, and I think it's what you need to be doing with yours. Satsuma pie is next level amazing. You will not be sorry that you tried this recipe. Go ahead and download it at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash satsumas. You can also get that link in the show notes. So what I want you to see here is that you have the ability to offer your family peak ripeness totally better than organic No pesticides, no herbicides, no fungicides, no nothing has touched that fruit. And it's about as farm to table as you can get because 90% of the time, if you're anything like me, they don't even make it inside. Can you imagine a summer of every afternoon picking strawberries? Can you imagine a day of picking blueberries that you then put in the freezer for later? picking pears and canning them and making preserves. It's so much fun. And the thing is about it, I don't know why we're so intimidated by it. The only thing I can really think of is that for me, it was always about that investment, that initial investment. A fruit tree is going to cost you $35, $45, $55 sometimes. And I was always so scared 
to put up that sort of investment when I didn't really know what I was doing. That's kind of how I always felt about it. And it scared me because that was a lot of money. And most times I didn't succeed. That is until I started learning how to garden with the seasons, how to garden with nature, how to plant my trees in a way that they will love where they grow and I never have to touch them, how to plant my strawberries in a way that they will come back year after year and I never have to touch them, how to plant my blueberries so that they can have the soil that they want, even if everybody around them does not. And once I learned that, I was able to really kind of loosen my grip a little bit and give some things a try. So I have a tip for you. Here's where I think you should start. If you are totally freaked out by fruit, if you are thinking to yourself, there is no way I would ever be able to get a musky dine vine to harvest, or there is no way I would ever be able to grow enough strawberries for my family to enjoy, I want to give you this tip. I want you to start with one of three fruits that I'm going to tell you right now. I want you to start with strawberries. I want you to start with a lemon tree in a pot. Or I want you to start with a muscadine. These three fruits grow insanely well in our climate. They are so adaptable to our weather. And when you know how to grow them, you will be amazed at how much you're able to harvest. So let's start with strawberries. When you create space for strawberries in your garden, what you need to do is give them their own container. This can be their own raised bed. This can be their own food trough. Um, A lot of people grow them in troughs. You can get those at various places around town. A lot of people grow them in strawberry towers. What you're going to do is find them a designated space. And the reason is because they like to multiply. And they will take over a bed. And really and truly, they don't get along with too many other vegetables. A few companions that they do get along with are asparagus, garlic, chard, lettuce, and blueberries. So if you can figure out a way to intermingle those guys together, they will work beautifully together. But for the most part, they don't really get along with anybody else. So give them their own space. Plant them right now. It is time to plant your strawberries for a spring crop. Now, can you wait until spring? Absolutely. And you can buy the plants at the local nurseries. The problem is going to be that they are going to be so much more expensive if you wait. Right now, a bundle of 25 bare root strawberries at an online nursery may cost you somewhere between $10 and $15, 25 plants. If you wait... Until spring, you're going to pay $10 or $15 for one or two plants. So that just goes to show you it's better to plant them now. And then I want you to mulch them really well and just let them go. What you're probably going to find is they'll start sprouting. And if they do, you'll want to cover if temperatures get below freezing. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of people right now inside of the garden club have flowers on their strawberries that they planted last year. So they got a, you will get a harvest literally in the spring from what you plant right now. 
Now, it's not going to be as good as the harvest you're going to get the next year, which is going to be outstanding. And then the next year, your harvest is going to be even better. And then it'll start to kind of taper off a little bit. But no worries because it has divided itself and multiplied. And now you have new plants that are going to give you great harvest all over again. Strawberries are really amazing. Now, if you're like, oh, I already grow strawberries, I can handle that. What about citrus in a pot, specifically lemons or kumquats? I would love to see you start with a lemon tree simply because they are so beautiful, so fun, so easy, and really and truly so rewarding. There is something about a bowl of lemons that you harvested yourself that will just make you feel all kinds of amazing. A lemon tree in a pot might cause you to scratch your head a little bit, but this is the wild child way. And the reason is, is because they're not frost tolerant. So lemon trees are going to be your most cold, susceptible fruit in the citrus family. When you put them in a pot, you can bring them in when the temperatures drop and they will keep right on trucking, giving you lots and lots and lots of lemons. So you definitely want to consider putting that lemon tree in a pot. Get a Myers lemon because they are sort of a dwarf variety. They do really, really well in pots. Kumquats are the same way. Kumquats are gorgeous in pots, and they are great little snackers. So if your kids love cuties, they will probably love kumquats. They're like the Sour Patch Kid of the citrus family. So they're super sour, easy to eat. You eat the whole thing, peeling and all, and they're gorgeous. These are two citrus trees I would love to see you start with because I know that they are so forgiving. They also overproduce. You can put that kumquat tree in its pot, bring it in when the temperatures drop below 40 degrees, and then just bring it back out. You will have kumquats next year. Very, very exciting. And finally, muscadines. Muscadines are the hold my beer of all the fruit varieties, okay? If you want to test out your fruit growing skills, or if you want to get yourself a bit of a sort of an ego boost in your fruit growing ability, if you need a quick little confidence shot in the arm, go ahead and plant yourself two or three muscadine vines. Now, with muscadines, you're going to want to grow them on sort of like a clothesline. So you can do them on a trellis. You can do them um, on a cattle panel. You want to grow two or three because they will fill in the area and, and be really, really beautiful. You can also do them clothesline style, like literally a clothesline. They will grow great like that. Muscadines are almost bulletproof. Mine have been in my yard for... Let's see, we've been in our house now 16 years. They have been in our house, in our yard, 16 years. We lost one in the freeze last year. Um, We will have to replace it this coming year, but the other two are still trucking. And let me tell you something. I have never fed them. I have never watered them. They are planted in native soil. And those guys rock and roll. Muscadines are so rewarding. Also, muscadines just signal to me summertime. They remind me so much of being at my grandparents' house where we would just pick muscadines every time we passed the vine. 
it makes me so happy to have those to be able to share with my kids. My husband, I love seeing him. He pulls up on the riding lawnmower and grabs a handful of muscadines and takes off all summer long. They're amazing. They are steady. They're consistent. They're reliable. Very little will keep those muscadines from fruiting. A late freeze will But apart from that, you really don't have any issues. They also don't have any pest. They fight disease like champs. You can start with muscadines and feel really, really good about yourself as a fruit grower. Now, when you're deciding where you want to put your fruit in your backyard garden space, There are a few fruit that you can grow actually in your garden, and then some will be planted directly in the ground or will need a space of their own. So just quickly, strawberries, blackberries, raspberries can all be grown in your actual garden. Melons, cantaloupes can also be grown in your garden. Muscadines, figs, peaches, and pears, you're going to want to give their own space to in that native soil. Same thing for your apples, same thing for your citrus, um, apart from those that you can put in a pot. So if you're going to want to do like a satsuma, you're going to want to give it its own space in native soil. Blueberries are also going to be a little bit tricky because they like acidic soil. So I like to plant them in containers, big, giant containers that would mimic them being actually in the ground. So there would be no root restriction at all. So I'm talking about a big container like one of the whiskey barrel planters or even its own raised bed. This way you can control the acidity in the soil and that's going to make them produce so much more for you. Now there's a lot more we could say about all the specifics of planting fruit. I will tell you one more quick tip is Don't plant your citrus right now unless you're planting in pots. For years and years, we always planted citrus at the same time as we planted everything else. And what we have found is that our trees never get past the first year. It's almost like we just plant them and set them up to fail. They are not cold hardy especially when they're young. So if you just go out and plant them and then you have to cover them every time it gets cold, you're probably going to miss a a time or two. And then at the end of it, they're gone. It's best to wait till spring to plant those guys, but everybody else that's dormant can be planted right now. That's the trick. If it's dormant, plant it in fall. If it's evergreen, wait until spring. Other notes that I just want to run by you are that your citrus trees really will do so much better for you if they're on the south side of your house. Also, if they're against a wall, this will help so much block wind and warm them up just a hair, which is sometimes all they need. Also, your raspberries and your blackberries do so well on a trellis or an arch, so they're an awesome thing to add to your garden in a vertical growth space. This means you don't have to really dedicate any of your garden space to blackberries and raspberries. You can let them grow vertically. That is a real big bonus when it comes to trying to figure out what earns its place in your garden. Finally, Lots of these trees are going to need more than one of them in order for you to get fruit. Now, this is something that is always overlooked. And Remember, I told you in the beginning, a lot of times we hesitate to invest in fruit because of that price tag. For the same reason, we hesitate to buy more than one. 
I'm going to tell you right now, make the investment and buy two. You're going to need them for pollination. So your citrus, your apples, your pears, multiple trees are going to benefit. Not all require it, but they're going to benefit from multiple varieties in your yard for pollination. So make sure you get at least two when you're buying these fruit trees. It's going to make your harvest so much more plentiful, and it's also just going to look better. A backyard orchard is about as gorgeous as it can get, right? Can you imagine looking out into your backyard and having apples, pears, peaches, citrus all growing out in your backyard at different times of the year that you can go and pick and serve to your family and share with the people you love? That is next level amazing. I understand that I have told you a lot about growing fruit trees today. I don't want to leave you hanging. I want to make sure that you know I have an ebook called Fruit Growing Essentials for the Backyard Wild Child. In this ebook, I'm going to walk you through strawberries, blueberries, muscadines, citrus, and figs. These are the top five for me. If you're starting to grow fruit, these are the ones I would start with. They're super simple to grow, do really, really well here, and they're just delicious and fun. So I would definitely start with those. And inside of this ebook, you're going to get plant spacing, depth, how you should feed them, when you should feed them, when you should prune them, how you should prune them. Do you know that a lot of times we're not getting fruit off of our fruit trees simply because we're pruning them at the wrong time of the year? That blew me away. When I learned that, I was literally blown away that I was doing it to myself. I was creating the problem for my own self. Absolutely crazy. You prune them at different times because some fruit are going to produce on old wood and some are going to produce on new wood. So that means that you want to be very particular about when you prune each one. All of that is in the ebook for you. Also inside, when you purchase the ebook, you're going to get five videos and those videos are record. They were recorded years ago and they're just quick teaching videos on each of those five fruit, but you're also going to get something really, really important. You're going to get a Q&A section. That means you can ask your questions and get an answer. That is something we are really working hard to provide in every single one of our classes. And that's because we want you to succeed. I want to make sure that when you purchase something and you are practicing the wild child gardening method, you can get help when you need it. And that Q&A section down at the bottom of our program is exactly that. You can ask a question simply by leaving a comment and then we'll comment back to you. And believe me, we're going to give you the right answer. If we don't know it, we're going to find it out for you. So you can trust that what you learn from us is going to be very beneficial for your fruit growing. You can get this at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash store and you can see all the stuff that we offer. We have so much available to help you grow. This is just specifically what we offer for fruit. Now, before we go, I want to do something a little bit different today. 
We're talking all about fruit inside the Wild Child Garden Club, and we keep having a couple of the same questions come up. So I want to address those for you. These are just some commonly asked questions. I have two of them, and I want to leave you with these answers so that you can kind of stew on it a little bit and maybe learn something new. So the first question that we are always asked when it comes to growing fruit is, do we need to cover our fruit in a freeze? And the answer to that question is, it's complicated, of course. That is why, first and foremost, we're not going to plant our citrus until spring. Once we do that, we are really taking a lot of pressure off of ourselves. Second, if the tree does not have leaves, you do not need to cover. So remember that. There is no need in covering dormant trees. They're asleep. They have no idea what temperature it is outside. So you want to laser focus in on what actually you've got in your backyard and whether or not they have leaves. Then once you've sort of gotten that written down, you know who you're working with, then it comes down to temperature. And more than temperature, it comes down to flowers. This is so important. Most of our fruit is going to be very cold tolerant. Strawberries can handle temperatures down to 10 degrees, but their flowers need to be protected from a frost. So while the plant might be very, very cold tolerant, those flowers will be damaged in even a light frost. And remember, your flowers equal your fruit. So you want to be very, very careful about that. Protect those fragile flowers in even a light frost. Now, the second question I want to end with is, what fruit can I grow in a pot? I get asked this all the time, and I will suggest a few to you. First of all, we've already talked about strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, lemons, and kumquats can all grow in a pot. Absolutely. You can also grow your melons in pots. Don't negate a melon that is in a pot on side of your house growing wild but is planted in a pot. They do phenomenal. So never count out a melon now, y'all. I'm serious. Melons are pretty amazing. Other than that, though, you want to be really, really careful, especially with your fruit like peaches and pears and apples. While apples sort of teeter and with a little bit of work, they can be grown in a pot. I really wouldn't venture into that until you were a very seasoned fruit grower. I say experiment, but always just remember that when you start to see your fruit begin to decline, or if you see it begin to have some stress, you'll want to go ahead and get it in the ground. So sometimes it's better to err on the side of caution, but if you feel like you are an experienced fruit grower and you really just want to try this out, certainly try it. It's going to take more water and it's going to take more tending than if it were in the ground, but apples are a great place to start if you want to branch out from strawberries, blackberries, raspberries, blueberries, and melons, and lemons, and kumquats. If you want to go beyond those, I would say the next one I would try in a pot would be an apple. Now, I know what you're already wondering. What apple varieties can I grow? Here's the trick to growing apples in your zone nine garden. What you want to remember is that it's most important to know that apples need what we call chill hours so that they will produce without a certain number of hours 
under a particular temperature, you're not going to get any fruit off of your apple trees. The way that you pick the best apple to grow is to determine the ones that have a small chill hour per year. So we're looking for something in our zone nine gardens that have less than 500 chill hours per year. So that means that even if we have less than 500 hours of cool temperature, they're still going to fruit. My two favorite are going to be the Anna apple. It is completely self-fertile and tastes like a Granny Smith. It gets really sweet as it ripens, but you can pick it early and get that sour taste. It only needs two to 300 chill hours. It's great with a drought and you harvest them in the summer. And then I like to plant a dorset along with that Anna apple. Very sweet, very crisp taste. It is a summer apple as well. It needs less than 100 chill hours. It's great in the drought, and you are also going to harvest this one in the summer, too. I don't know if I've already said that. But the Dorset and the Anna work really, really well together. The Anna is self-pollinating, but the Dorset needs a pollinator, and the Anna apple is there to pollinate for it. So those are the two apples that you definitely want to consider if you're going to add those to your backyard fruit orchard, and I highly, highly recommend them. I hope you learned more about fruit today than you ever thought you would. And I also hope that you go get a Meyer lemon and put it in a pot and give it to yourself for Christmas or give it to someone else. This is a fantastic Christmas gift. Any garden gift is a gift that keeps on giving. I hope you have learned so much today and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. I hope today's episode has inspired you to get outdoors and release your inner wild child. I know that when you do, you will heal your soul. Until next time, keep growing and find out more about Wild Child Kitchen Garden at www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com. Thank you so much again for joining me and I will see you right back here next time.